0: Good morning, and welcome to episode 369 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. How are you? Happy to be here. Uh, so we're going to do a, a supplementary listener email show, as we mentioned was a possibility last week, because we got so many good emails, uh, and if we don't answer them now, they will just disappear into our inboxes. Uh, so before we start on emails, um, I wanted to ask you about Bobby Brayu and, uh, basically my question is how, how good a player has to be in a winter league to pique your interest. Mm. Uh, So presumably if, if someone had said to you at the beginning of this winter, uh, would you like to sign Bobby Abreu to a a minor league deal? Uh, you probably would have declined, I imagine.
1: For a minor league deal?
0: Yeah, he earns earns eight hundred thousand if he breaks camp with the club.
1: And uh, am I an AL team?
0: Um, no, I guess you're not. You're the you're the Phillies. You're yeah, you're in the Phillies situation. Okay. So you do
1: I wait wait wait. If I'm the Mm -hmm. Phillies, is it possible that I'm actually operating under the presumption that I am an AL team?
0: (laughs) That that's one of the many things I'm wrong about (laughs) all the time. (laughs) That is possible. Yes. Okay. If only there was some way to tell. (laughs) Um, So Brea will be 40 by opening day. Uh, He did not play last season. He did not. Play much or well in his his last season or really his last two seasons. He wasn't wasn't much of a player. Um, so you, I imagine you would have said, eh. I mean, you can hand wave any minor league deal and say whatever. Yeah,
1: let's. I mean, yeah. Uh, but the, the
0: presumption that that there's actually a point to bringing yes, him, that he might right. become a useful player.
1: Thank you. Yes, for the for the purposes of making presumptions, yes, I would I would hand wave away the presumption.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and or not hand
1: wave. You you just said the word hand wave. I, yeah, But you use it in a different way. I <laughs> I just copied it, but I copied it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I need to replace that verb. <laughs> uh, I would. What did you say to uh, shake a stick at? What did you? <laughs> what what? I what said, verb am I trying to repeat?
0: I said hand wave, right? We both said hand. You said
1: wave. hand wave, but you said hand wave in a different context. That the ability to hand wave away a minor league contract.
0: Ah, yes, right. Uh, uh, you
1: said have little interest in. Is that? Sure. Uh, you're right. I would have little interest in making presumptions about Bobby Abreu.
0: Okay, so Bobby Abreu then goes to the Venezuelan Winter League, and he hits three twenty-two, four 416 not good enough 461 in not a, even close in 180 regular season plate appearances, and then. Then the postseason starts mm-hmm. And in 56 playoff at-bats He triple slashes 464, 549 uh, 1.214 I don't even know how to pronounce that uh, With 8 home runs In yeah. those 56 playoff at-bats Are sure. you interested now?
1: Nope, <laughs> not not at all Wait, what was the ones in the postseason?
0: Uh, he hit 8 homers in 56 at-bats so. Oh, that's better That is better
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, eight homers and 56 at bat, so uh, at that point, yeah, now, I mean, he's probably slugging 600 now
0: And in... Overall, yeah, probably, mm-hmm. at least.
1: Uh. Yeah, I, 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 I pro, probably, that's close, it would, I was gonna, it, you were gonna ask me what it would take to be interested in Bobby Abreu, and I would have probably said something like 455, 520, 710.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it is a long season. I mean, you are right. It's 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 almost half of a season's worth of plate appearances at altitude against, you know, inconsistent competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, it is a lot. But I remember um, uh, the reason that I missed your playoffs is because I was frantically Googling to try to find my uh, my 2010 Winter League write-ups of Alexia Marista. What got me hired at Baseball Prospectus, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Alexia Marista, you'll recall from being a baseball fan, mm-hmm. um, is uh, you know the size of a of an eraser. He's very very small. He's the smallest man in baseball, um, and you know he's he's a little strong for his size, but he's not a particularly strong man. Um, and he hit nine home runs in the Venezuelan Winter League, and they were. All pretty early. Like at some point, he was leading the league in home runs, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I'll never forget that. And so, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. in
1: my in my head, home runs don't count mm-hmm. in Venezuela. What league was it? Bobby Abreu was in Venezuela too?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I guess compared to compared to last year's uh, Amaro invites, is this? Is this a higher or lower upside invite than, than unieski Uh
1: Well, Unieski plays wherever he goes. so
0: I don't know why, for some reason.
1: He yeah, does. I don't either. I mean, it, it, the, I don't know. You get the feeling that Unieski is much more likely to play when you sign him uh-huh. <laughs> uh, than Abreu. I would say that it's lower than Mulder.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. And high,
1: but higher than uh, Brad Penny. Uh
0: huh. Okay.
1: Alexi Alexi Amarista uh, had never hit more than five home runs in any season at any level. Goes to Venezuela and hits six homers in his first 150 at bats.
0: So the plus, moral plus story. Plus,
1: plus 11 doubles and four triples.
0: Don't get too excited, Phillies fans.
1: No, the moral of this story is buy high on Amarista.
0: <laughs> Does it change your mind that Ruben Amaro says that he had heard quote-unquote decent reports on Abreu?
1: <laughs> are those from, from when somebody saw him pre-draft
0: in 1992? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that was, those are leftover <laughs> scouting <laughs> reports from when the Phillies first acquired him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He also said... The club was looking at all the left-handed bats still out there, and he's one of them.
1: <laughs> so, <this laughs> that sounds really high praise. <laughs> that sounds like that. I mean, that sounds like a joke, right? Doesn't that? Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like standard joke construction.
0: Yep, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. All right. All right. So that. Uh, anyway, Brayu, that'll be fun though. I, I'm not worried about his his bat. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's not one of the 100 worst hitters. I'm not sure. But I'm sure he's not one of the 60 worst hitters in uh, in baseball right now in the Major League level. But he can't. Probably not. He can't.
0: But as a corner right. a a outfielder slash the, DH. He was,
1: yeah, and he was he was arguably the worst <laughs> defensive corner outfielder in baseball five years ago. Mm-hmm. So, that's the problem.
0: All so, right.
1: I mean, what would you have to see out of... what What sort of Defensive performance would you have to see in Venezuela to convince you that he could play in a uh, corner?
0: I would have had to see him play all three outfield spots himself.
1: And he would have to make that that catch that the Gatorade girl made.
0: <laughs> yeah, the you mean the the fake the fake one? Yeah, the fake one. Yeah, right. Well, people were upset that we didn't mention Ruben Amaro as a least beloved candidate yesterday, so this this is our substitute for that. Okay. Uh, So that was essentially a listener email. Um, I occasionally listen to us. So I'll move into (laughs) to actual ones. Uh, Okay. Um, This one comes from James. Picture this. A 19 year old Cuban shortstop immigrates to the US and offers his services. He's a switch hitter with plus plus hit power run and arm. He makes smart plays and displays excellent lateral quickness However, he is left-handed and will only sign with you as a shortstop. Would this player get signed, and how much would you pay for such a player? Mm-hmm. Well, let's first, before
1: we know how much we'd pay for such a player, because we'll we'll have very, very different answers for just what the baseline is. What what would you pay for this player if he were right-handed, do you think, based on the description? I mean, this is not a real player. He's not a real person. We don't have the benefit of seeing you know what teams have said about him. So just what is your gut? Is this, this is like what a 60 million, 70 million dollar player?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. All right. So, so he's a 19-year-old shortstop who if he were right-handed would be getting, uh, you know, a 65 million dollar say six-year, six-year contract. Um, what would you dock him for being left-handed? Mhm. I'd guess uh, I'd guess 8 runs a year of defense. So, mm-hmm. 3 wins uh, over the well, I guess over the course of six years, it'd be like four four to five wins, depending on whether he needs minor leagues uh, seasoning. So say say maybe four wins. Uh, so you know, dock it twenty five million. So I'd still give him four and thirty five.
0: Okay. That I was... mean, you'd have
1: to. Do you think somebody would 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 somebody do this? I mean, I mean if just if, would
0: anyone be willing to to play him at that position? Yeah, um, I mean, we
1: talked we talked about we talked about like uh, if a player demanded. Um, to, to not travel with the team and to only spend, you know, one day, uh, if he were a starting pitcher, to only spend one day a week with the team. And, and you know, we talked about how Clemens was sort of special enough that he got that privilege. Can you imagine any scenario where like a an elite left-handed athlete just didn't, you know, was so egotistical or had whatever motives or priorities in mind and demanded it um, and, you know, in that case do you think a team would actually
0: do it? Mm, if the price was right. Uh-huh. Probably.
1: Think so? I think so. I mean, I guess if the price is right you'd have You can't argue with if the price is right.
0: <laughs> no. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am saying that there is a price that would be right. Mhm. So Yeah. Okay. I can't
1: think of I can't think of one actually, but maybe that's because uh, you never see a left-handed player playing the infield, so you can't mm-hmm. really imagine it. Mm-hmm. Who do you think would be the who is the who who of of everybody in our lifetime? What left-handed outfielder do you think would have been the best infielder? <laughs>
0: uh. Bobby Abreu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, keel. Based on general athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: The arm. it has got the arm.
0: Does. Does have the arm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, that,
1: that I just answered a listener question that hasn't been sent yet, but will be. <laughs>
0: we're,
1: we're knocking out all the future hypothetical listener questions tonight.
0: Um, okay. Danny asks uh, or says, Bryce Harper was tweeting a while back about picking his walk-up music. I can't remember them all, but I think Moby was one of them. He mentioned <laughs> something to a follower about one of the songs really pumping him up for, his, for the at-bat. I'd have to believe that most players feel the same way about their walk-up music. Obviously, it's hard to monitor the effects of that, but say it's one of those things generally accepted in baseball And a rule was made that players were allowed to hear the song during the entirety of the at-bat in home games How would things change would hitters be better would pitchers benefit would the defense worsen because of too many players dancing in the outfield? Hmm So I'm thinking that uh, I mean home field advantage has if i recall correctly has been pretty consistent over time right it i mean it's like that 54% probability of the home team winning i, I don't think that yes. has changed dramatically and walk up music is a is a fairly recent addition to the ballpark experience so if the walk up music really helped out the home team or or the pitcher the home pitcher warming up music really helped out the home team then presumably we, we would see a, a greater home-field advantage today than we used to prior ben, to walk-up. Ben,
1: ben, the question is, who would benefit from music playing during, during
0: the pitch? The I, I'm going to say no one. I'm going to say, based on the fact that the snippet of music that we do have hasn't produced any appreciable edge, I will say that it would be insignificant that players would just all tune it out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think there would be any, any effect whatsoever. Um, and you know, my feeling is that in any movie that takes place in the future and there are sports being played, the music is, uh, you know, nonstop because that's how the future is a lot more graphics and a lot more sound. Yeah. Um, and a lot more production. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if that's any indication we are going there, there will be a soundtrack to baseball, a score, I should say, to baseball that does not let up at some point. Probably 40 years from now, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Probably. Right. Most likely, I would say.
0: Well, uh, remember this question, then, and we'll we'll find out. Um, okay. Uh, Jason says, let's say you are a pusher of PEDs. Okay. As a control, let's also say... That you have access to some new pharmaceutical, completely unknown to MLB, that effectively masks whatever drugs you deal from the mandatory tests. Mm-hmm. You, you are passionate, wily, and dedicated to the craft of selling drugs to professional athletes, and there is big money in it, too. A new buyer is a major boost to your deliciously illicit income. Mm. And here's the crucial part. You know mm-hmm. all about advanced statistics. How might stats play a role in determining which players you target as potential buyers? Perhaps changes in certain numbers decrease in performance stats increase in days in the DL are opportunities to feed on a player's self-doubt I suppose this could get pretty involved with player character and psychology coming into play Which stats in particular do you think would be most useful?
1: Uh, start talking
0: well you'd probably want to go after contract year guys, right? That would seem to be a a fertile, fertile ground. Um, If there, if there are no, if there's no risk of getting caught because this test, the the testing cannot detect this new pharmaceutical, then conceivably anyone would want to take it who is not morally opposed to PDs. so I guess you'd somehow have to figure out which which players would report you to the authorities for approaching them with this opportunity. Um, but as far as uh, as far as stats, yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it seems like a lot of players take these things or start taking them, or at least say they started taking them to recover from an injury of some sort. Uh, I guess you couldn't go wrong going after injured guys and guys who... Stand to make a lot of money if they suddenly increase their their performance.
1: Um, I would think that you'd want to go after guys who are basically underperforming their FIP, and then just let the <laughs> let, let let the let regression work its magic, and you get all the credit. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I mean,
1: it, it it seems like it. Even if you have a good drug, uh, you know that works, um. You know why? Why fight with regression? It's it's just such a such a reliable uh, advantage. You know, an ally of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let it do the hard work, and then um, you got to figure if if um, if this is you know can't be can't be caught. You know, can't be detected. That this guy will um, you know be successful, make a lot of money, no uh, credit you, and um, not get caught, and so be able to keep going. And other players will find out about it, and he will be an advertisement for your product, and they will all want that fit magic that you're selling, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll get more clients.
0: Yeah, uh, I would be, I would have been inclined to say that that you wouldn't have as much luck going after a star player or a player who's who's overperforming, but based on on what we know about who's been revealed to take these things, it doesn't doesn't appear that that performing well is much of a disincentive to taking things. Um, I mean, a lot of the people who who we know took things were basically at the top of their game when they did that. Um, so, well,
1: let me ask you this. Um, old guy or young guy, who's easier to convince? Because an old guy has less to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and has you know, has to fight with nature, right? I mean he knows he's gonna get worse. He's hanging on mm-hmm. uh, for dear life. And you know, in a lot of ways probably is, is the um, in the short term, is the type who can most benefit from this. But the young guy has 20 years of earning potential. and you mm-hmm. know like in any industry, um, there is sort of an, a, a way that your salary, um you know compounds as you go you know so if you're mm-hmm. if you start making money early and you've got those stats under your belt and you've got a particular reputation and you're getting arbitration raises on higher salaries to, to go with and you know I mean really frankly you've got to make it to year six before you get any of the real money and so all the advantage the long-term advantage uh, is to the guy who can improve early however again that guy maybe not as, Uh, you know, doesn't want to blow his entire career by getting caught Mm -hmm. and uh, doesn't want to have that stain and maybe is a little bit more idealistic and thinks, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's probably feels invincible already because he's young and young people are
0: idiots. Yes. I think
1: they can do anything.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's, that was actually going to be my, my answer for why I would go after young guys because they're probably more, more prone to, to risk taking and, and
1: oh, see, I, questionable
0: I've, decision making.
1: With the same,
0: uh, with the same I, yes. knowledge
1: of human nature, we <laughs> came to different conclusions.
0: Yeah. So you're saying they feel invincible and My therefore they don't think they yet. need anything.
1: He already thinks he's a star. He's never failed yet.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I'd I think I'd go after the the young guy, assuming assuming he's a guy who hasn't Signed a big extension already, or gotten some giant bonus? He's still waiting for his first contract. He's still young enough that his 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 testosterone levels are off the charts, and his his uh decision making is is not fully developed. I go with that guy. Yeah,
1: and that guy, the young guy, might the young guy might already just want he might just want to do drugs. He might just be able to convince him that it's just it's drugs. Just do them because they're drugs. <laughs>
0: young people yeah. with their Molly. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you have a favorite Barry Bonds tractoid that you just can can say on command?
1: I well, I do have a favorite one. Okay, because it is, is, that, is that, a listener
0: is a email. Yeah, John, John. Uh, Wants to know when we were talking about Bonds uh, recently prompted him to ask What's the most impressive slash insane Barry Bonds stat slash fact? And his, his example is There have been four seasons in history of qualified batters With more intentional walks than strikeouts uh, And three of the four are Barry Bonds There's Dave Rader is plus one in 1973 Then Barry Bonds in 2003 is plus three Barry Bonds in 2002 plus 21, Barry Bonds 2004 plus 79. Uh, and his favorite stat is if you pretend that every hit he had in 2004 was actually an out, he would still have had a 391 on base percentage.
1: Yeah, I believe would have led the league in on-base percentage. I think it's <laughs> how I is how I heard that one.
0: Uh-huh. That's a good one.
1: Um mine I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but my favorite for the last few years has been uh, that Barry Bonds has a 5,000 OPS against something like 35 pitchers that he faced, including Guillermo Mota, who he faced nine times. <laughs> nine times, Ben. Hmm. A triple would have ruined it. It's a good one. Nine times, 5,000 OPS. So that's my favorite.
0: Good. Uh, Gabe. Says, if the BBWAA gave each of us one vote, and it meant that the guy we voted for would get elected to the Hall of Fame, who would you choose if given the choice of Pete Rose or Barry Bonds?
1: Well, that's an easy one. Bonds? Yeah, right? I mean, I want Bonds to be in, and I don't particularly want Pete Rose to be in. So that's, even if they gave me two votes, <laughs> I think it would be the
0: same outcome. Yeah, eh. I, I don't know the only other if you if you believe that both of them should be in then you might vote for Rose just because he is more unlikely to to get in without your magic vote um, but but probably still bonds. Yeah.
1: Do you think we'll ever talk about Pete Rose on this
0: podcast? <laughs> uh, again mm, unlikely.
1: Yeah it would have to be <laughs>
0: It'll come up at some point. We won't, We'll be doing this for decades.
1: Yeah, when he gets in. If he ever gets in, we'll talk about it then, I bet.
0: Eric uh, Hartman says, If the 1927 Yankees stepped into a time machine and played in the coming MLB season, how would they do? I figure due to modern training, nutrition, and loogies and such, they'd be significantly worse than the world beaters they were then. But would they even be an MLB-caliber team?
1: Um, No, they wouldn't. Um, But you know what I've wondered is... I, I, I think that, that um, I think that the common belief is that the answer is no and I've always believed the answer is no. Um, and yet I have never seen anybody show it mm-hmm. and it feels like you ought to be able to show it because <laughs> a lot of these guys have played for 20 years and if the effect is that large in 80 years, mm-hmm. uh, then there should be some effect. For 20, and I know that there's this sort of confounding variable, which is that they're actually aging as well, and it's hard to isolate what their true talent is separate from their competition if their competition is also changing. But I feel like it should be doable. I mean, if you can see, like sometimes you see these chains where you know player X pitched to player Y, who hit off player X, who pitched to player Y, who you know was Babe Ruth's mom, Um, and you, it seems like you ought to be able to take enough of those and see the effect, but I don't know how you would.
0: Hmm. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, don't think they they could take the Astros?
1: I don't think that they could probably take uh, Lancaster.
0: Wow. Huh. What if they... How long would you have to give them to say train with modern methods uh to become a major league caliber team or are you saying that their true talent level regardless of of tactics and training and all of that is still not major league caliber
1: combination of both i think that their their true talent level as a group as a you know as a as a group i would say their true talent level wouldn't be major league level because the population of the world was so small and the population Mm -hmm. of of people who were playing baseball in particular was, was uh, you know, from, from, you know, childhood mm-hmm. was so small. Um, but you know, even if that were true, I, I mean, assuming that that is true, I should say, then the very top, the very upper echelon, you know, Garrigan and Ruth should be at least competent, right? Because even if it's yeah. one, one of the population is playing baseball, that the best would still be, you mm-hmm. know, incredible. So I think it's, Partly that, that as a group, they were well below Major League standards because the population was smaller. Um, and then also, they just they haven't played the game with anywhere near the sophistication or uh, acquired intensity that the game is played at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think that overall you could make the 1927 Yankees a credible team in any amount of training. However, yeah, maybe the very best... Uh, you know, maybe I don't know. If you got him by 16, or if you got him by 18, and you had six years with him, you might be able to make him reserves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't, who knows? What are you asking me for? <laughs>
0: I have to. Someone asked this. We have no choice but to answer. Um, okay, and then there's a Mike Trout question. You like those? Uh, it's from Scott. He says, we know that the CBA prevents teams from offering to sign a player to a contract that includes an ownership interest in the team, and we know that players can sign contracts providing for a personal services position with the organization after retirement. But what if Mike Trout told the Angels that he would sign a 15-year extension if, upon his retirement, he immediately received a five-year contract to be Angels GM, let's say for a million dollars a year? Because an extra five million dollars to Trout is peanuts within the context of his upcoming extension. How high a GM salary must Trout demand before the team actually has to question the sanity of accepting Trout's offer?
1: Um, help help me out. Why why I, wouldn't they just give him the money?
0: Uh, well they have to they have to make him. I mean, the sticking point is the is the position, right? I mean, the well. For, do you think the Angels would do it today if he said, "I'll sign a 15-year extension," um, and presumably for some below-market rate? I suppose is is part of the precondition here. If upon his retirement he gets to be. He actually gets to be GM for five years? They can't just uh, hire him and fire him?
1: Um, uh, <laughs> 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 Would they sign Mike Trout for 15 years if as part of the deal they had to let him run the team rookie of the year style mm-hmm. for five years? After that. Not rookie of the year. Little big league. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Uh, yeah, I mean, what are the odd? nobody? Nobody involved in the organization is gonna is gonna be there in fifteen years.
0: Probably and not.
1: The owner almost certainly won't own the team.
0: Mike Sosha might be there.
1: <laughs> and so I would say that they, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, yeah, sure. The GM's not team president anyway. They could always overrule him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: I would guess they would. I don't think they would. I think they would happily do that. <laughs> what a weird thing to ask for! <laughs> In fifteen years, I would like to be the GM of a team.
0: Well, I've, players have no gone on to, to be it. GM. Yeah. I would. I would want to do it. It's true. Uh,
1: if you're asking for things, what if
0: it, what if uh, what if Mike Trout said to Artie Moreno, he went uh, he went over Depoto's head. And he said make me GM right now I'll be player GM mm-hmm. And I will I will play for For one million dollars a season And I will yeah. also be the GM for the same salary
1: Well hard to imagine He could do sixty million dollars Worth of damage As a GM
0: As but a GM not, <laughs> as a GM, Who is it also a full time baseball
1: player <laughs> <laughs> Yeah it's actually not that hard to imagine Uh Again, uh, I mean, I, it, it doesn't. Seem, GM is not dictator, you know. Mm. He's not. He's not asking to be uh, the one, the only person with decision making authority. True. So I, I, guess I'd say
0: yeah, but that that feels you can't just weird. make him a figurehead. He really wants to be running the team. You there can't just enough- say okay, you're GM, and then yeah. contradict yeah. everything he yeah. says. Yeah. Right. Then the he won't of, be happy for you. He in won't. the
1: spirit of the. That's yeah. true. That's true. He yeah. he might. He might trade himself <laughs> yeah. to a team that will play him. He might a demand a trade team,
0: to a team that would give him a legitimate <laughs> shot at, <laughs> at to building me. a roster. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, to the point now where the listener questions aren't weird enough. We have to make them even more far fetched.
1: There aren't any really good incentives. Nobody has really asked for any good incentives in baseball. I once tried to. I once went through every contract trying to put together a list of funny incentives. And it was like A.J. Burnett's wife needing a limo to drive to Toronto and that was it. That was like the entire <laughs> the entire list. <laughs> Somebody needs to, to start thinking of better incentives. Because if if money is, I mean these teams do have, like these teams have a lot to offer besides money, you know. Mm-hmm. they Like they ought to let them have, uh, you know, I don't know, what what would you want? What would you want to do? you were a player and you wanted something that was not money
0: i probably would want to be a gm when i retired
1: (laughs) i think i might too like that actually might be the best thing that they could offer yeah it'd be fun
0: it would be fun bobby Bobby abreu has a has a clause he earns a fifty thousand dollar bonus if he is named comeback player of the year
1: (laughs) yeah well, you see, so you just chuckled at that, but my my position is that that's not actually funny. That that's not funny enough.
0: It, it should be... I feel like he should get more if that happens. If that uh-huh. happens, he'll be such a great deal that the Phillies should should be willing to pay him much more for that.
1: So you know how you're not allowed to have incentives for specific stats? Like, you can't have...
0: yeah.
1: You know, if you hit 20 home runs, you get X. You can only have it for playing time, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and then the kind of games finished loophole that closers have, but otherwise you, you can't have specific sets. Would you like it if you could or is that asking for trouble?
0: Mm, yeah, seems like too many potential complications.
1: I would love to see contracts that were entirely incentive driven and <laughs> were all stats based.
0: Yeah it would be it would it'd be exciting if like I mean, as a as a broadcast, you could you could just I mean the announcers could tell you how much money the player just made for doing the thing he just did, and there'd be like somebody, cash register sounds and it.
1: Right, somebody should actually run out to the base that you're standing <laughs> yeah. on and hand you the
0: money. <laughs> yeah, I would like that. All right. Uh, well, we worked through much of the backlog here. Um, so now we need more questions. <laughs> exactly. So now we need more so we can do this again on Friday. So please send us more emails. Uh, they don't have to be crazy, but if they w- if they are, we'll, we'll probably answer them at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. And we'll be back with more tomorrow.